And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is the penultimate episode of NEC Football on the Run. It is championship season. The Duquesne Dukes were in position to wrap it all up, clinch the NEC championship this past Saturday, also wrap up the NEC's AQ bid to the FCS playoffs. Were they able to get it done? Well, if you're listening, you probably already know the answer to that, but let's just play along. In case you don't, let's find out. Here are this week's top headlines. We start with our pick six. And you also, again, if you're following the show and listening along, you also probably know where we're starting. That's right. In the Berg, on the Bluff, with the Yinzers. It was our ESPN Plus wild card broadcast. The Stonehill Skyhawks visiting the Duquesne Dukes. Duquesne in position to clinch their sixth NEC football championship and their third FCS playoff berth. And the first of either since 2018. Duquesne also out trying to get a measure of revenge against the Stonehill team that really stunned them, defeated Duquesne in the Skyhawks NEC debut on national TV last year. So here's how the game starts. Duquesne wins the toss. They defer. Stonehill goes 11 plays, 69 yards, gets a Perry Shellbread 22-yard field goal. They go up 3-0. Okay, Duquesne ready to answer. They get the ball. After the kickoff, Duquesne takes over. First and 10 at their own 18, and the NEC's passing touchdown leader, Darius Parentis, tried to run a read option type play, tried to pull the ball back from the running back to pass it, but there was a malfunction at the junction. The ball hits the turf and is recovered by Stonehill. So after one play, Stonehill's back on offense, up 3-0 at the Duquesne 13-yard line. Three plays later, after a review, Asher Karaha finds Jake Newsom for a 10-yard touchdown pass right at the goal line. And just like that, Stonehill up 10-0. Fans haven't even gotten out of the tailgate in the parking lot yet, and Stonehill is already up two scores. But here comes Duquesne. They're going to get the football back, right? Duquesne, they get back off the kick, first and 10 at the 24. Edward Robinson ran it starting right. Tried to cut it back to the left, but was stood up about five yards deep in the backfield. But before he could be brought down or before the whistle could blow for his progress to be stopped, the ball was pried loose and scooped up by a Stonehill defender, Justin Waters, and returned 17 yards for another touchdown. So Duquesne, if you're keeping score at home, they ran a total of two offensive plays, turned the ball over on both of them, and with a chance to clinch the title on their own home field, down 17-0. Well, Stonehill was up 20-7 to after one, but in the second quarter, Duquesne finally got rolling. Pair of touchdowns, Darius Parentis threw it up the middle to Keyshawn Brown, who avoided two defenders, got to the far sideline, and turned on the Jets 89 yards to the end zone. And then after a defensive stop, forcing Stonehill to turn it over on downs, in their own territory, Parentis ran it in for a 34-yard touchdown score, calling his own number. Duquesne, despite that auspicious start, they led 21-20 at the half. So, you know, not all, all all's well that ends well, I guess is what they said. But we still have a half of football to go. The second half was crazy. It fe featured three lead changes. Xavier Woodard gave the edge back to Stonehill 27-21 on a one-yard touchdown run in the third quarter to cap off a 12-play, 63-yard near six-minute drive. With under three minutes to go in the fourth, 
Edward Robinson atoned for his earlier miscue with a two-yard touchdown run to put the title in Duquesne's sights. The Dukes were up one, 28-27, just 2.45 to go. I'm sure they were beginning to get the championship t-shirts out of the box. They were beginning to polish up the championship trophy, ready for a big presentation but there's still 2.45 to go. Stonehill gets the ball. Now under a minute. It was two, second and eight at the Duquesne 21-yard line, 21 yards away from a potential win. Chris Domerkant got the handoff on a jet sweep, running from the near side to the far side, running left, get with the ball, 21 yards to the house, question mark on that, put the Skyhawks up with 50 seconds to go, but to be honest, it, I don't know that scoring a touchdown there was the best thing to do. Yeah, he scores the touchdown. That's great. But if he went down at the one-yard line, the clock would have kept going. Duquesne could have used all their timeouts. Stonehill could have got it all the way to the end and then either kick the game-winning field goal, maybe do a brotherly shove, whatever you want to do, get it in the end zone, and the game is practically over. But... Dahmer can't go in 21 yards on his own, scoring the touchdown with 50 seconds still left on the clock. And Duquesne with two timeouts, we're saying there's a chance. So scored a touchdown, that's great, but could have went down at the one-yard line. In any case, Duquesne would get that second chance. They would drive to the Stonehill 33-yard line. So now Duquesne, they're in position, despite giving up the lead, they're in position to steal it right at the end. At their Stonehill 33, three seconds left. One last chance for the title. Parentes launches it deep to the end zone, and it ends up going four to five yards deep out the back of the end zone. And that's it. That's all. Stonehill spoils the party. They defeat Duquesne 33 to 28. Junior wide receiver for the Skyhawks, Chris Domerkant, wrapped up, racked up a career high 184 all purpose yards, and he did end up scoring the eventual game winning touchdown. Senior running back Jermaine Corbett led Stonehill, uh, who had totaled 214 yards on the ground overall. Corbett had his fourth 100-yard game of the season. He had 21 carries for 108 yards. Stonehill had four takeaways on the afternoon, including the the couple at the beginning that helped give him that big lead, 17-0 early on. And on the other side, Darius Parentes ended the day with a season-high 298 yards passing. He is up to now 18 touchdown passes on the season. He also ran for that 34-yard score. So Duquesne couldn't wrap things up on their own, but there was a plan B. They could still clinch everything on Saturday if Merrimack were to lose at home to Central. If Merrimack wins, though, that would set up a winner-take-all finale in Massachusetts for a second straight season as Merrimack welcomes Duquesne to North Andover next week. But first things first, it's Merrimack and Central Connecticut. The Warriors were up 14 to 10 at the half. And on their first drive of half two, Malachi Anthony found our guest from last week, the playmaker, Agent Zero, Donovan Wadley. All this guy does, score touchdowns. 53-yard touchdown pass to put Merrimack up 21 to 10. On the next drive, it was Anthony to Wadley for 39 yards for a score. Wadley, by the way, he caught four passes. Two of them he scored for touchdowns. Four receptions, 113 yards, two scores on the afternoon. 
In the fourth quarter, it came down to the fourth quarter. Merrimack trying to preserve a four-point lead, 28-24. They were set to punt it back to Central, but Christian Hernandez muffed a punt return for the Blue Devils. It was recovered by the Warriors. They took over at the Central nine-yard line, and then two plays later, Ty Edmonds Jr., the NEC's leading rusher, took it in from three yards out, his second rushing score of the day to put Merrimack up comfortably by two scores, 35-24. to 24. On the next Central Series, Matt Jenner threw an interception to Wes Matthews, and any Blue Devil hopes were extinguished there. That would seal it. Merrimack wins it by 11, 35-24. So the Warriors with their win. That officially closed the book on Duquesne clinching the AQ bid last Saturday, but it opened the book for the Warriors. In their first year eligible to possibly win the NEC title and the automatic bid to the FCS playoffs for themselves. It sets up a winner-take-all showdown with Duquesne next week, and you might hear that one or two more times the rest of the show. Quarterback Malachi Anthony had the best game as a Warrior since taking over as the starter in the beginning of October. He went 11 for 15, 190 yards, three touchdowns. Anthony threw it four times to Wadley, who we mentioned. Two of those catches were for scores, and Ty Edmonds Jr. had 70 yards rushing for two touchdowns in the win. But wait, there's more. Merrimack isn't the only team suddenly alive in the NEC title picture thanks to Duquesne's loss to Stonehill. The LIU Sharks are still in the mix. The Sharks, who at one point this year were 1-2 and two in NEC play, had won two in a row going into Saturday. And this kind of brings up memories of last year's run when they won their final four straight games to finish the season. So now, if Merrimack beats Duquesne this Saturday, Sacred Heart, or LIU, I beg your pardon, is in position to possibly swoop in and steal a share of the crown. They can't get the FCS bid because they lost head-to-head to, head to Merrimack and Duquesne. In fact, those are LIU's only conference losses this year. However, if Duquesne were to lose and LIU were to win both of their remaining games, that would create a three-way tie situation for the championship. So, LIU would still get the trophy, they'd still get the shirts, they'd still get the rings, the banner, the whole deal, and the distinction of the first championship in program history. But they have to hope now for Merrimack to beat Duquesne next week, and they still have to win their remaining two games. Next week against Stonehill, and this past Saturday, they were taking on the Wagner Seahawks. It was senior day at Bethpage Federal Credit Union Stadium in Brookville, New York, and Owen Glasgow still scoring touchdowns, Variety of different ways, 14-yard touchdown run in the first quarter, 54-yard touchdown catch in the second quarter. Game was tied 14-14 at intermission. Now, in, very exciting to see. This game also featured the return of Luca Stanzani, who engineered the four-game win streak at the end of last year. He's been out since the second game of the season with a shoulder injury. He came back on Saturday in relief of Chris Howell. He went four for six for 87 yards. Two touchdowns. One of them was to Glasgow. The other was a 17-yard touchdown to Leek Bryant in the fourth quarter. Whatever message Ron Cooper said at halftime, it worked. LIU with 35 unanswered points to win the second half and win the Empire State Showdown over Wagner 49-14. to So LIU is right there. They win on Saturday. Merrimack beats Duquesne. We got a three-way tie for the title, and the Sharks can claim their first ever NEC championship. 
Now, story four, St. Francis and Sacred Heart were both sitting back watching all this happen. Sacred Heart uh, already completed their conference schedule. They were on the bye this week. They will finish their 2023 campaign in non-conference action next week against UConn. And the reigning champion, St. Francis, they were off as well. They will finish up their season next week against Central Connecticut, and we'll have more on those games coming up later in the show. So, Duquesne, 5-1. and one. They lead by one game over Merrimack and LIU in the standings, who are both at 4-2. and two. Duquesne had a chance to wrap everything up on Saturday, couldn't quite get it done. You'll wonder how they will respond with a second chance this week. In life, you don't get a lot of second chances. Duquesne has a second chance. And I, I think of what Nick Castellanos of the Philadelphia Phillies said after the Phillies lost game six of the NLCS. They asked him in the postgame press conference, what are your thoughts on now having to come back and play a game seven after this, you know, tough defeat. And Nick Castellano said, well, we have to, we, we get to play one game to go to the world series. If you told me that in the spring, six months ago, that we get to play one game to go to the world series. Sounds like a bunch of fun to me. I'd sign up for that. And yeah, we know game seven didn't exactly work out for the Phillies, but it remains to be seen if this second chance works out for Duquesne. And you got to wonder if they go in it with that same mentality, like, Hey, yeah, we lost, but one game winner take all for a, for a championship. Sounds like fun. Let's let, let's sign up for that. One game for all the marbles. You think they would take that in a heartbeat. They still have everything ahead of them. Now, if Duquesne doesn't win, though, then Merrimack would get the FCS bid, and it would open the door, as we mentioned, for LIU to force a three-way tie at the top. All three teams would be 5-2 and two in conference play in that scenario. It would give LIU a share of their first-ever title. Stonehill and St. Francis are right behind that trio. They're 3-3. Three and three. Wagner finished up NEC play with their loss on Saturday at 3-4. and four. They're one game better than Sacred Heart, who also has wrapped up their league schedule at 2-5, and five, and Central Connecticut's at one in five with one conference game remaining. And finally, let's take a look at some of the statistical leaders going into the final week of the season. Ty Edmonds Jr. with 1,170 yards rushing is your leading rusher. He leads Elijah Howard of Central Connecticut by 226 yards for the rushing title here in 2023. Ty Edmonds Jr. also leads Jermaine Corbett of Stonehill by two rushing touchdowns for the rushing touchdown lead. Darius Parentes, 18 touchdown passes this year, which is six more than Wagner's Steven Krajewski. Parentes is also over 2,000 yards passing, which is 578 better than Krajewski for the passing yards title. So Parentes looks to have a lock on the touchdown pass and a touchdown and the passing yards lead. Now, this is interesting. We have five receivers who are within two receptions of the overall reception lead. We have four receivers who are within 162 yards of each other for the yards lead. And we have three wide receivers who are within a touchdown of each other for the touchdown lead. And we bring this up because Isaiah Williams of Central Connecticut, Jalen Benelli of Wagner, and Chris Domerkan of Stonehill are all in contention for a potential triple crown. All of them are kind of hovering around those leaders that we mentioned to maybe, when it's all said and done, lead the league in all three categories, receptions, yards, 
and touchdowns. Benelli maybe has the best chance having a great season for the Wagner Seahawks. He's two receptions off the lead. He's 28 yards off the lead and he has one touchdown off the lead. And uh, you have a sense that we'll talk about this later on during uh, the schedule portion where we look ahead to next week's slate. Uh, Wagner perhaps has the more favorable matchup out of any of the teams for maybe Benelli to 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 go loose, to, to run wild and have himself a big day. So keep your eye on Jalen Benelli for a possible wide receiver triple crown here in 2023. Now on defense, LIU's Eric O'Neill leads the league with five and a half sacks. He's a half sack better than Dan Totley for the sack title. And Sacred Hearts' Mike Lee Joseph is number one in interceptions with four. There's five players right behind him who have three. And Donovan Wadley still leading the nation, co-leading the nation with three kick return touchdowns, which is also tied for the NEC record. I have no reason why Duquesne would even bother to kick the ball to him on Saturday, but that remains to be seen. Wadley still one return away from leading the nation and rewriting the NEC record books. Well, it's time now for our top three stars of the week, and we start with number three. It's LIU's senior tight end Owen Glasgow. During LIU's three-game win streak over these last three weeks, getting them on the verge of a share of their first-ever title, Glasgow has accounted for six touchdowns, one passing, three rushing, two receiving, and a partridge in a pear tree. So six touchdowns over the last three games. This past week in particular, uh, against Wagner, Glasgow had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown in the first half. The redshirt senior and a former guest here on our show finished with two catches for 71 yards and the touchdown catch to go along with three carries for 21, 20 yards and a score on the ground. Our number two star of the week is Stonehill senior linebacker Justin Waters. The senior linebacker was a key to Stonehill's fast start in their takedown of Duquesne. On Duquesne's first play from scrimmage, they fumbled it and Waters recovered. Then Stonehill on offense converted it into points to go up 10-0. And then on Duquesne's next play, they fumbled again. And this time Waters just scooped it up and ran with it 17 yards to the end zone to put it in himself and give Stonehill a 17-0 lead in the first quarter. Two big early fumble recoveries, including his first career fumble return touchdown. That leads Waters to be our number two star. And our number one star of the week, it's Merrimack junior quarterback Malachi Anthony. In his fifth start of the season, he had a career day against Central Connecticut. He went 11 for 15, 73% completion percentage, three touchdowns, no picks, and he ran for 37 yards of his own. You know, I saw his first start of the season in person this year, early October against Stonehill, and you could see the big play capability emerge then it was you know there was something missing from Merrimack's offense at that point they were very run dependent very rarely did they you know go downfield and have that 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 big play capability even back then but now Anthony's fully comfortable in the offense as a starter he's starting to shine defenses have to start thinking about Anthony's ability and that the big arm making plays with his legs so certainly gives defenses something else to worry about Anthony has done great leading the Warriors back to a winner-take-all finale for the NEC title coming up this week. Malachi Anthony, our number one star of the week. Up next here on NEC Football on the Run, we're joined by a very special guest, Rick Saratelli. He's been no stranger to NEC football shows. First time chatting with me, though. You may know him from the NFL Draft Bible. He is a scout for NFL PA. So, uh, Rick, thank you so much for joining us here. 
Hey, my Jersey brethren. Good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Couple, couple of Jersey guys talking NEC football. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, we, we saw you at media day. We were there kind of at the start of the season. And now here we are final week getting ready for, you know, winner take all showdown for an FCS bid with Merrimack and Duquesne. So, you know, what, what are kind of your thoughts? Are you surprised that these two teams kind of made it to the finish line here? You know, uh, I had thought that Duquesne would be here. Merrimack, I thought, had a strong chance. And I'll tell you, it's been an exhilarating season, Craig, right? And it comes down to the final week. Uh, two great head coaches, by the way, two men that I highly respect. It's going to be a good one. So why don't you kind of tell us a little bit, for those that haven't seen you on, on NEC before, uh, kind of what, what's your involvement with, with the scouting uh, part of the, of the game? Yeah, this is unbelievable to think this is my 23rd NFL draft cycle. The Grays, I guess, are giving that away. And, uh, of course, I did the NFL draft publication for two decades. I've spent the past uh, seven or eight seasons in the in the all-star circuit with the College Gridiron Showcase, of course, the advanced scout for the NFL PA Collegiate Ball. I'll now be joining the Edmonton Elks of the Canadian Football League and uh, taking the U.S. scouting director. So, yeah, we've got our eyes on quite a few uh, NEC prospects and some players we'll get into in this upcoming matchup and buckle up. We're looking forward to it. I know there's some guys in the trenches that you kind of had your, your eyes on. We've seen guys in the trenches succeed at the next level in the past yeah. from the Northeast conference. So who are you looking at here in this game? Gianni Rizzo. Uh, Rizzo's playing with his hair on fire right now. Uh, he's like Sunday dinner. Give me the meatballs, the sausage, <laughs> the brajol. He wants it all. He's making plays in the backfield. He can't be stopped. So if if Duquesne is going to have any chance to win this ball game, Rizzo is going to have to step up and help be a factor. And you know, one of the things, I, a question for me, um, you know, this year it seems like maybe more than ever we've seen a bunch of like versatility guys, like guys that can run, can pass, special teams, all all, the, all these kinds of things. And I, I would think the more stuff that you can do, the better chance you have to make it, whether it's the NFL or another one of the leagues that, you know, CFL, XFL, USFL, any of those. Um, is that kind of what you're seeing and hearing too? Oh, absolutely. The more you can do, right? It right. goes for any uh, adage, I think, in, in the professional football world. And yes, yeah, special teams. You, you said that key word, which I think, you know, if Merrimack is going to have a shot to win. I think they're going to need a big play on special teams by Donovan Wadley. I mean, this guy has been unbelievable. Three kick returns for a touchdown. He's averaging 37.5 yards per return. If Merrimack wants to win, I think Wadley needs to run one back and give him a shot to win. Which would which would break the NEC record with a fourth of the season. We had him as our guest last week. He said he would spot me thirty yards in a forty yard dash, and he would still feel comfortable <laughs> that he could beat me. He's he's fast. I've seen him in person. He's a. Fast I'm taking guy. widely on that one. By the way, I I would too. Uh, you can't teach fast. You can't teach that. Um, so let, let's talk about you know X factors. You mentioned Wadley. Uh, anybody else you have your eyes on here in this game? Yeah, you know, I want to see something out of Darren McKenzie. I feel like he's been on another guy that's kind of been on the NFL radar for several years. Uh, there was some talk that maybe, you know, with the COVID eligibility, he may have came out last year. I think he was on the Senior Bowl watch list, East-West watch list, all these uh, accolades that he's racked up throughout his Merrimack career. So Darren McKenzie, I think at six foot, 200 pounds, another guy here that uh, myself and other uh, pro scouts will be keeping an eye on.
And, and, you know, you look at maybe some of the intangibles, the fact that for Merrimack, they were involved in a winner-take-all game last year on their home field, couldn't quite get it. You look at Duquesne, they had a chance to wrap it up last week and they couldn't do it. So now they get another chance. You know, mm-hmm. so when you, th- when you think of all that, if, if you if we put, put you to the fire here and had to have you make a pick, who, who are you going with? You know, I, whoever has the ball last, I'll go with that. But <laughs> we'll uh, take no, it. I think, that would be a great game. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be close. I think this Duquesne team, coming off that loss that you mentioned, getting punched in the mouth, came come up short, kind of dealt with that adversity. It may have been beneficial to get that out of the way. And I'll tell you what, I respect the heck out of Coach Coran. I know he's from the Chip Kelly coaching tree. Chip was his OC back in New Hampshire. He's a great football mind. But Coach Smith, if he wins this game, I really believe, you know, he will help cement his legacy in the Northeast Conference. He'll tie Joe Walton with the sixth NEC championship. And I think it'll also solidify a Hall of Fame resume one day for Coach Smith. So I'm going to go with Duquesne in a close one. Now, we, we like to finish up these interviews with the players with some quick, quick hitters. First thing that comes to mind, some fun questions, and we'll do the same with you. Are you ready? Yeah. Time for the final five questions. Favorite color? Purple. Favorite snack food? Pizza. Love it. Uh, What are you most thankful for? My family. Okay. The the best player that you've ever seen on a scouting trip live? Maybe someone that you maybe didn't expect or like, whoa, and they really impressed you the first time you saw him. Justin Herbert comes to mind. Okay. And, And finally... How can people find you? You mentioned you have a new gig coming up. So uh, tell the people how they could follow you, you know, going forward. Yeah, you know, I'll be moonlighting. I'll be dabbling a little bit in the media. You can catch me every Tuesday night on the Sports Rage, Sirius XM, Channel 159, uh, Sports Grid TV. They have a channel as well. So that's every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Of course, allaccessfootball.com. And if you're going to be in the Canada or Edmonton area, go down uh, to the Edmonton Elks website, get yourself some tickets, tell them Rick sent you and buckle up. I'll come see you. I, I, I hope you have some jackets some winter jackets, all that ready to go. <laughs> Rick, thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to a great championship game coming up on Saturday. And, and we thank you for stopping by for a few minutes here to talk about it. Love Northeast conference football. Looking forward to the matchup this weekend. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, fans, be sure to check out the full NEC football on the run show over on the NEC overtime pod. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for stat chat. And this year there is a chance as we've highlighted throughout the show going into the final week that three teams, Duquesne, Merrimack and LIU all finished tied atop the standings in a three-way tie situation. And each clinch a share of the NEC championship. Now, 11 times in NEC football history, there have been split championships with two teams each claiming a share of the crown. However, there has never been a three-way tie where three teams each take home a piece of the trophy. And I I don't even know how that would work. Did they cut the trophy in thirds and mail each of the teams? I I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't ask questions, but it's possible. Uh, You know, Duquesne winning the title by themselves. That's possible. Duquesne and Merrimack sharing the title 12 times. It could be co-champions. That situation is in the cards. Or as we said, Duquesne, Merrimack, LIU can all finish five and two, and we can make history with the first ever three-way tie finish. That's our stat chat. And and really those are the options. One of those three things is going to happen. History is going to be made. It all comes down to the final week 
of the season. And now the final week of NEC football in 2023 has arrived. Five games, all eight teams in action one last time, except one of the teams is going to get to play at least another game of the FCS playoffs. But one last time, championship implications are in two of the games. So here we go. Let's take a look at what's coming up on tap. We start noon in Connecticut, Sacred Heart at UConn. It's the non-conference regular season finale for a Pioneers team that's already completed their league schedule at 2-5, and five, which was one game behind their pace from a year ago when they finished 3-4. and four. It's the first ever meeting between these two interstate rivals. UConn comes in having lost their last four in a row. Sacred Heart comes in off a bye week last week. They defeated Central Connecticut 31-24 to on their senior day the week before. They'd love to finish the season uh, on a good note with a two-game win streak going into the offseason. And also, shout out to grad senior running back Malik Grant, 3,299 yards, which is third all-time in Pioneer history, 31 rushing touchdowns as well, which is fourth in the Pioneer record books. Now, new, also noon, senior day in Staten Island as Post comes to town to take on Wagner. That game on NEC front row. Wagner, they've already finished the year three and four in league play. And what a huge accomplishment that is considering they only had two league wins over the previous four years combined. They had three league wins this year. Their three conference wins their most since the three and three finish in 2018. And again, Considering their opponents, Wagner has a chance to finish on it with a big offensive day, and that could help boost Benelli, who is playing for a potential receiving triple crown in the Northeast Conference. Also at noon on NEC Front Row, St. Francis at Central Connecticut State, SFU off last week's are set, were off last week after their setback against LIU the week before. Remember, they had a couple of big fourth-quarter comeback wins, and then they had LIU pull a St. Francis against St. Francis. LIU had the fourth-quarter comeback to knock off the red flash, ending their hopes of running it back and possibly repeating as champions. Central Connecticut State, they lead the all-time series with the red flash, 23-6, to but St. Francis won the most recent meeting last year, 39-13. to Now, Nick Whitfield has started the last two games for the red flash for Cole Doyle, remains to be seen off the bye week. Who will be the starting quarterback this time around? The Blue Devils have lost their last three in a row. They're going to look to turn it around with Elijah Howard leading the way, who is 56 yards shy of a 1,000-yard rushing season. The Blue Devils, the number one rushing team in the NEC. Now, one way or another, we know for sure, the 2023 NEC title will get decided in Massachusetts. Two big games will make sure that happens. Then at 1 o'clock, NEC Front Row, WB Mason Stadium in Northeastern Massachusetts, LIU Stonehill. I guess they didn't get the memo of every other game starting at one at, at noon. They're starting at one. LIU with a chance to clinch a share of a regular season championship with a win and a Duquesne loss. LIU looking to finish the year winning their last four in a row, just like they did last year. Chris Howell, Lucas Stanzani. They've done a great job of leading the way at quarterback. Offensive coordinator. Court Shankweiler is being super creative, getting his playmakers like Glasgow and Wells the ball in many different ways, keeping defense on their toes. And speaking of defense, the LIU defense making the big plays when it counts. Now, Stonehill, they've already been party poopers once. We saw what they did this past week against Duquesne. Now, can they stop LIU from celebrating? Now, 
besides being the party pooper, Stonehill still does have something big to play for because a win clinches Stonehill's first ever winning season in NEC play. They can finish at four and three after finishing two and five a year ago. So Stonehill looking to finish on a positive note, finish with a winning season before they go into their off season. LIU, they won the meeting last year, 34 to 28. They built a big first half lead, 27 to seven. Lucas Stanzani went off in that game, 333 yards, three touchdowns. LIU had 454 yards of offense and Owen Glasgow had a hat trick, a three touchdown game. So again, LIU needs to win against Stonehill to keep their title hopes alive, but the automatic bid to the FCS playoffs will be decided at noon, an hour earlier, NEC front row, Dwayne Stadium in North Andover, Massachusetts, as the Merrimack Warriors take on the Duquesne Dukes. Now, this game starts at noon. The LIU game starts at 1, so the Sharks will know whether or not Duquesne lost while their game is still in progress. But as for this one, Merrimack-Duquesne, what a matchup. Last year it came down to a winner-take-all showdown, and now here we are again. These are the top two teams in the league in scoring. Top two in total de- in total touchdowns. Top two in time of possession. Top two in sacks. And they're so similar in a lot of different ways because they're so balanced. Parentis for Duquesne leads the league in yards and touchdowns, but Duquesne could certainly run the ball when they need to. They have two of the top 10 running backs in the league led by Edward Robinson. And interesting matchup that run game for Duquesne is going up up against a Merrimack team. That's number one in the league in rush defense. The Warriors only yield 129 yards per game. And then on the flip side, the Warriors are balanced as well. Merrimack can run the football. They're the number two rush offense in the league. They have the number one rushing running back in the league, but just this last month, and maybe that's what's made the difference for Merrimack to go on this run that they've had at the end of the season with Malachi Anthony at quarterback, the big plays in the passing game, that spark that they were looking for. It's arrived and it's given defenses something to think about. And of course, when you look at special teams, there's no, no chance, no chance that Duquesne would even think about kicking the ball to Donovan Wadley. If they do, things can get very interesting. We've seen how big of an element that special teams can play into things, especially in a championship game. The all-time series between these two teams is tied at one. Duquesne won 37-14 to 14 the last time they played in Massachusetts two years ago. Merrimack returned the favor and won last year in the Berg, on the bluff, with the Yinzers, 28-21. In that game, Merrimack, their run game, as we mentioned, was the difference. 256 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Dawson and Edmonds both had big days. So we will see what will happen on Saturday. It would be the Dukes' third FCS playoff appearance, while Merrimack would be their first. Duquesne would also be the outright champion with the win, their second outright title in program history. Merrimack's win would create split champions or possibly tri champions, depending on what happens uh, on the other side of Massachusetts. So that'll just about do it for this week's episode. A lot of scenarios and a lot of football to talk through. So we appreciate you making it this far. One way or another, a champion or champions will be crowned on Saturday in Massachusetts. Duquesne, Merrimack, LIU, Stonehill, both Massachusetts games have championship implications. Can't wait to watch it. 
and can't wait to be back here next week talking about it. Our special season finale episode of NEC Football on the Run. We will recap how this thing ends up. We'll chat with the member of the champs. We'll recap how the stat statistical races finished up. We'll look back at some top moments of the year, and we'll also look ahead to the FCS playoffs. All that and more coming at you next week as we put a bow on the 2023 season. Until then, enjoy Championship Saturday in the Northeast Conference. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.